0: Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. North American equity markets have had positive momentum of late, and in bond markets, the two-year yield reached 4.61%, with the 10-year reaching 4.33%. So what is the latest market action telling us about the path of monetary policy? To unpack this and more, we're joined again today by Yurian Timmer, Director of Global Macro. With host Pamela Ritchie today, Yurian also looks at earnings season and will share his fascinating charts, which can be referenced by following along at Timmer Fidelity on Twitter. Today's podcast was recorded on October 24th, 2022. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments.
1: Great to see you, Yurian. Very glad that we got a chance to uh, mull through some of these things with you. Welcome.
2: Yes, happy Monday. Nice to see you.
1: You as well. You promised us last week, Yuri, that we were going to take a look at the tips market, what it's telling us, but I wonder if we can just... Well, you'll get to that but the narrative that played out in the markets as of some kind of report looked like in the wall street journal on friday was sort of pointing to i don't know what, what would you call that pointing to a blink pointing to uh getting to that spot i mean what would you term it
2: um yeah it, i mean it's a point that we knew the, the fed would get to at some point and the fed knows it as well
0: Okay, everyone, the first slide we'll look at today is the Fed and the market tweeted on October 24th. And again, that is at Timmer Fidelity on Twitter.
2: Let me let me turn back the clock. So, you know, a year ago, the Fed started to see the inflation problem. First, it dismissed it as transitory. But I think the Fed realized fairly soon that essentially the economy just got overstimulated during COVID and that there was going to be too much demand creating inflation and that the Fed had to start withdrawing liquidity from the markets and, you know, and it's widely you know, uh, seen now that the Fed moved too late. And the question is why did it move so late? And I think one of them is that the Fed has now an average average inflation targeting um, policy that came out of that long period uh, <clears throat> before this cycle where inflation was you know, below target. And so the Fed was waiting for the, as they say, the whites of the eyes of inflation to appear before responding. And then the other thing was, which they learned from the taper tantrum back in 2013, is that if you're going to do quantitative easing and you're going to put that in reverse, you need to really like signal that to the market and give the markets time to prepare for that. So you start talking about it, then you start tapering, and then you do all of that. And what it turns out happened is that those two policy moves um, just require way more time than the Fed had, given the clear and present danger of inflation. So, clearly, the Fed moved too late, but it moved too late because it had set these, these kind of operational things in motion that prevented it from moving sooner. Um, And then as a result of moving too late, of doing too little too late, it now has to do too much too late, basically. um, And which is why it had to go in these large increments of, you know, 75 and 50. And but, you know, uh, ultimately, you need to bring that back down, because once you've caught up, you can start moving that down. So that article on Friday out of the Wall Street Journal basically stated the obvious, meaning they they can't, they're not going to keep going at 75 all the time, they have to go bring it back to 15 and 25 as they get closer to kind of a restrictive zone, which I think is generally seen as four and a half to five. Um, And so that's really just what the article said. But I think the real message, though that there isn't really any news in the article, but the message, there's always a message, right? If you read between the lines and the message is that even though because rates have continued to back up, right? The two year yield is at four and a half, the 10 year yield is at 420, that lowers the present value of future cash flows for the stock market, which lowers the fair value P.E. And, you know, I've shown this chart uh, before.
0: Next up, Equity Valuation also tweeted on October 24th.
2: So the fair value P is 13 and a half. The market's trading at 16. So there is still that gap. So you still do not have any fundamental validation for the markets to rally. But what the message from that article is on Friday, to me is that we're getting close enough to the end of this cycle, or at least of knowing where the end is going to be, that the message from this chart is becoming more nuanced, right? So at this particular snapshot in time, the market's were 13 and a half, which is still below where we are today. But that 13 and a half is just a snapshot and it could change, right? If all of a sudden the Fed and the markets conclude that maybe we don't have to go to 5%, maybe we only have to go to four and a half, It sounds like a very small difference, but that half a point difference is worth several PE points, right? So that 13 and a half could get re-rated upward uh, at any moment in time. Um, And so I think we're kind of in that more nuanced, balanced zone in the markets where the market's no longer just uh, chasing its tail downward and downward as it has for the last nine months. It doesn't mean we're out of the woods, but I think it's going to become a more balanced uh, narrative from here. Okay. And of course, the earnings picture will have something to do with that, of course.
1: Well, so we've seen a lot of earnings come in. There's more to come, as we know, and some big names. Um, but that said, you said in your weekly note that you know it's it's largely in line, expected. I mean, part of it is the earnings game. You 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 guide so that there aren't too many surprises, as one or two. But um, it's it's ho hum isn't the right word. But what what would you describe? This is not shocking so far on earnings. No.
0: Let's now look at earnings estimate progression tweeted on October 25th. This will be followed by earnings breadth, which is also the following tweet.
2: So, yes, I I think there is a sense in the market and certainly a sense among my followers on Twitter um, that um, that, you know, yeah, sure, the market has derated down to a better P.E. ratio, but you just wait until the earnings start to crack and then you know we' have a whole other I don't know what it is about Twitter but people people like kind of the the drama of you know big fair markets I guess um, but so far you know again this the third quarter it's, it's only just underway right only a hundred companies have reported out of the 500 so <clears throat> where it's early days still but you know the takeaway from the second quarter earnings season when a lot of people were waiting for that next shooter drop was that it was kind of the dark the dog that did not bark uh, or bite, I should say. And so far, the third quarter is the same thing, right? So, so far that shoe is not dropping. We have 100 companies reporting, uh, 72% are beating estimates by an average of 4.5%. It's like basically any other earnings season so far. Now, granted, the expectations have come down. You see that that black line, which is the progression of the earnings growth estimate is coming down. And if we go to slide seven, you can see that you know 71% of industry groups are seeing their earnings estimates uh you know go down so there's clearly an, an earnings growth slowdown underway but so far uh, it is not turning into a contraction and maybe that's a story for next year and not this year maybe that's still coming because if you know we look at the economic data they're certainly softening but in the US they're still pretty strong unemployment's holding in there and maybe as long as that is true, uh, the earnings picture will hold up. So, anyway, so far there the, this seems to be a status quo earnings uh, report. And so that's not going to give the bears the fuel, I think, to kind of derate this market further. And it's coming, as we said earlier, at a time where expectations for the Fed, I think have been pushed about as far to the hawkish side of the spectrum as they're gonna get, right? I mean, the market is, the market is now expecting a 5% Fed funds rate. I mean, that, that is pretty amazing compared to where things were even three months ago. And to me, the, the pendulum of, you know, is the goalpost going to be moved again to a further hawkish zone or is the pendulum maybe going to swing towards the more dovish side? I think that risk-reward becomes more favorable the further the expectations get pushed um, because at some point <clears throat> the Fed's going to be at max restrictive and then the, the surprises are going to be more more favorable. And I think that's kind of where we are heading now.
1: Fascinating. So there's a question uh, rolling in here. And this this may go to the question of, I, I think one maybe your second slide is sort of talking about, of course, we've been watching the Fed, but the whole world um, in terms of developed markets have, has been on this policy of, of trying to get at the rate-raising cycle. Some have been faster than others. But this question coming in: does the Fed um, need to give the markets so much advance notice, which you were talking about, and what happens if they don't? And yeah, I wonder if you look around the world for the answer to that.
2: It's an interesting question. Um, and, you know, the, under Ben Bernanke uh, during the financial crisis and following the financial crisis, um, the Fed became a lot more transparent, right? So, I mean, under the old Greenspan days, the Fed would just do what it does and like, you know, the hell, what the market thinks about it. And there are, there's something to be said for that because you can uh, make a bigger impact. But I think under the Bernanke Fed and since uh, Ben Bernanke, um, I think the Fed generally thinks that transparency is good because it allows the markets to kind of incorporate this, but but right now, uh, and I think maybe that's what the uh, what the, uh, the 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 viewer is asking about. Uh, it can also kind of work against you, right? Because at this point, if if you have max hawkishness in the market, and you have a like a, a, a simple story like we had on Friday, saying the Fed's going to go from 70, 75 to fifty to twenty five, which is like, duh, of course they are. Um, That alone could let the markets rally, which would ease financial conditions, which would go exactly against what the Fed is trying to accomplish, because the Fed wants to tighten financial conditions until it's ready to pivot, uh, which it will not do until inflation really is coming down. And so the transparency now, you can see how it's it's not so clear anymore that it's always a good thing. And also the Fed, by waiting so long because it wanted to, signal the taper and then start the taper and then start the shrinking of the balance sheet. That cost a lot of valuable time that the Fed did not have. And that was also done in the spirit of transparency. It wanted to give the markets time to prepare. So it, it's, a, it's a very good point. And I think, you know, the Fed is probably having this very same conversation right now.
1: So. Um Let's go to the bond market. Question coming in. Can you can you comment on the bond markets? Let's go ultimately to kind of what the bulk of your report this week goes to, which is which is looking at the tips markets for what they're signaling the break even story.
0: Nominal rates and inflation is next. Tweeted on October twenty fourth. So part
2: of the more nuanced story about the stock market, you know, maybe not having to go all the way to a thirteen PE. Um, Comes from again what is priced in to the bond market and for the Fed. And if there is any kind of pivot, and again by pivot I don't mean that the Fed's going to go from tightening to easing all of a sudden, but this is all about rates of change and second derivatives. So if the Fed w- went from going to five percent, you know again it's only in the low three, so it still has some the wood to chop. But if it if it if the terminal point goes from five to let's say four or four and a half. Um, That will be reflected in the bond market, which will then be reflected in the valuation of the stock market. And one way to think about um, this is in terms of real rates. And so in this chart, I've shown this cloud chart before, I show the the five-year break even from the tips market in the horizontal, the nominal 10-year yield in the vertical, and that line is the regression line where the two are in balance. And we had this conversation many times a year ago <clears throat> where I show that real rates, which is essentially what this chart shows, were way too low because the Fed was financially repressing the system by doing all this quantitative easing, et cetera. And now real rates have been reset all the way to the other side, which is that blue circle at the top. And I would argue that they've reset too far, that based on that, that line there running through the chart, a restrictive zone might be, you know, 100 basis points lower than where we actually are, if the tips market is to be believed, and that which is that inflation is going to return to about two and a half percent. And we'll talk about that in in a second. But if we assume for a moment that the tips market is correct, <clears throat> then the 10-year real yield is about plus two percent, which is higher than it really should be on the basis of this chart. And that, that's a long way of saying that if there was, if that signal was to be reset downward, let's say by 100 basis points which would still bring it in line with a restrictive policy think about what that 100 basis points of real rates would be worth as an equivalent of the PE ratio for the S&P right that all of a sudden the market would then be uh, cheap right now if if there was that reset but it but it all comes down to can the tips markets be believed and I have not really gotten a satisfactory answer uh, every time I've asked that question. So so in in this week's uh, report, I I decided to do a deep dive even though I I maybe don't know what what I'm talking about, but I I wanted to answer the question myself. And so I did some uh, some research on the long-term signal of the TIPS market. Has it been correct? What, What is the TIPS market even saying right now? And why is it so different from what the headline Inflation numbers are saying, and so uh, we can get into that, but but the overall executive conclusion is that the tips market actually is pretty correct um, and that there is this nonlinearity response function going on where the mar- the tips market sees where the Fed is going and believes correctly or incorrectly that the Fed is going to slay the inflation dragon in, in one way or the other, even if it comes at the cost of the of, of a recession. Um, and I think that's what the tips market is saying. It, it's kind of a non, an exercise in non, non-linearity.
1: That's fascinating, and we need your brain to help us through that. Um, so, so the counter often is, but the Fed is in the tips market, and the Fed um, ultimately is, is doing quantitative tightening at the same point, so it's trying to get out of the tips market. Yeah. Um, how do you factor that in?
2: Yeah. So so why, why don't I run through a couple of slides <clears throat> just so I, I can I can geek out for everyone. So let's start with slide 13 and I'll just run you through kind of the, the, the sequence of how I thought of this, because I asked that very same question.
0: We'll start this segment with tips versus headline inflation and then real rates, tweeted together in a thread on October 26th.
2: So here's the the, the disconnect in the market right now. You see the CPI, you see the core PCE, they're way, way up there. You look at the black dotted line. That is the tips forward curve right now, and the tips market is saying, "Hey, there's nothing to see here. Inflation is going to go to two percent and stay there." And you know, wouldn't that be great if that were if that were the case? And and but it's not just an an academic exercise. If we go to the next slide, you can see that this has major implications as to how high or low real rates are, because ultimately real rates is the policy tool right it's it's you know an easy fed policy is a negative real rate a restrictive policy is a positive real rate and on the basis of the tips curve the real rate is very positive plus two you see that in the gray line at the top on the basis of the headline inflation numbers which of course are backward looking real rates are still extremely accommodative and so this this is a major thing like this is not just a little a quirky academic exercise. This has real implications for where we are in the cycle and how far it has to go. So if we go to the next slide, what I did was I looked at the headline numbers and I look at the the forward curve, right? So there's a one year tips, there's a two or three or four or five, all the way up to 30. So you have a whole term structure for the TIPS market, and the TIPS market's only been around for a couple of decades, and that first decade you know, was not, not a, a very big market. But you can look at these forward curves going back in time. What I've done here is I've put them in at six-month intervals, just to show you what the, that, that progression has been historically of what the TIPS market expects inflation to be down the road. And what's interesting is um, you've got the purple is the CPI, the orange is the PCE, And the gray horizontal line is just a a regression line of all of those TIPS curves. And what I find fascinating is that all three of those regression lines are flat as a pancake, they're horizontal, which means that historically, that trend has been very, very stable. And the average for the TIPS market is about 2% inflation. For the core PCE, it's one and three quarters, and for the CPI, it's 2.4. The CPI tends to be higher than the PCE. Uh, but what's interesting is that those TIPS curves start in all kinds of different places based on where inflation is at that time. But they always kind of progress towards like a like a cone shape, right? They always end up at around two. And generally speaking, they've been correct because that's basically where those inflation series have been. and And so I think that's really interesting. And so if I can kind of take it one step further...
0: Now let's take a look at tips and the Fed. Tweeted on October twenty eighth.
2: What we've seen, of course, recently, is a is a big divergence between um, the the estimated terminal rate for the Fed <clears throat> and the five year tips break even. So the, the the purple line is the terminal rate. That's what the market expects the Fed where the Fed to go at the peak of the cycle. So that's now five percent, and until about April that purple line was positively correlated with the tips break even in other words the fed was was responding to an inflation problem that the tips market was accurately reflecting at that time that's why they were going in the same direction but since april when the fed really started pushing the envelope towards a much more restrictive zone the tips market has kind of gone in the other direction and to me this is the nonlinearity that i mentioned earlier that the tips market is now saying Okay, the fed's really going to do this it the fed's going to not have you know like a few months ago we were we were wondering whether the fed was going to choose to accept higher inflation in order to save the economy the fed has made it very clear that that's not going to happen the fed is going to tame inflation no matter what um and the tips market is reflecting that that strategy by saying okay the fed is going to win this battle Uh, come hell or high water. And that's what the tips market is now, I think, responding to. And so, you know, your question about the the signal, you know, the tips market is illiquid. I hear that uh, the tips market is, you know, is is dominated by the Fed. Like if you look at the Bloomberg tips index, uh, the Fed's holdings amount to about a third of that index. So it's a very outsized player. But on the other hand, other investors don't own the tips market. For instance, pension funds don't really own the tips market. So the market structure is very fragmented. uh, But all you have to do in order to answer the question, is the tips market distorted by these various market structure issues, is to look at this chart here.
0: And that chart would be five-year inflation swap versus five-year tips break even, also tweeted on October 28th
2: i like scatter plots as you know um and you know th- there is another inflation market out there it's called the inflation swap market right i i as a fidelity i can i can do a swap with whatever goldman sachs and and they pay me the inflation rate five years from now and i give them the cash that, you know so there's a whole swap market for this which does not have any of these market structure issues There there is a a counterparty risk in a swap market which is why this orange line, which is the regression between the swap market and the TIPS market is below that black line, which would be a slope of one. But you can see that that the the, the slope is the same direction and the current signal, which is in that orange circle there is right on that line. So to me, um, the, the signal in the TIPS market cannot be explained by inefficiencies or price distortion in that market, uh, which means that, and we can go to the la- last slide,
0: Next, we have another tips versus headline inflation chart, but the one tweeted on October 28th.
2: We can go to the last slide and then I'll stop talking about this. Um, Yeah, but but so to me, the answer is the tips market expects the Fed to win the inflation battle Um, and the tips market doesn't care whether it wins that battle by triggering a recession or not. I mean, that's that's not something the TIPS market tries to solve for, it's just solving for what is the inflation rate going to be. And so it may come at the cost of a recession, which obviously would have a lot of implications for the nominal bond market as well as the stock market. But again, you look at the, the rate of change of, um, of the CPI, the core PCE, and you look at the break-even, the average break-even for the five-year TIPS, Again, those are regression lines, those horizontal lines, and they're all horizontal, which means historically there's a very stable relationship. And you can see that gray line is already coming back down to the long-term average, which is the tips market saying, you know, the Fed is going to win this battle. If it turns out that we are on the cusp of a structural inflation problem, then maybe the tips market is just thinking too linearly about this uh, but to me, what this says is that that purple and orange line are going to come down. Uh, we don't know what the cost will be of bringing it down, but they will come down. And to me, that is what the tips market is saying, which means that the signal in terms of real rates can be believed. And to me, that's the, the, the biggest takeaway.
1: That can be believed. Here's... um great question using some of your verbiage as well if money supply growth is down is the fed chasing a dragon that money supply is already going to slay
2: well and that exactly is to to the point i was making because when you look at if if you say okay i believe the tips market and again this is where it gets the math gets a little circular right because on the surface if the tips markets to be believed then real rates are very high now they've gone from very negative to very positive and then you start to wonder like, okay, well, the Fed is then committing a policy error because if the inflation problem is going to go away as the TIPS market suggests, then the Fed is going to have a policy overshoot because it doesn't, you know, at that point it's going to drive the economy into a recession. The money supply numbers that the that the viewer asks about are pointing in that same direction. But again, is that's a linear like this is a nonlinear thing, right? If the TIPS market believes Inflation is going to come down because the Fed's going to overshoot the policy. Uh, Then if the Fed then starts to pivot and undershoot it, maybe the inflation break evens then go up. Like it's you know, you have to really wrap your head around the cause and effect of this. Um, And so so it's interesting that on Friday we had that article that, you know, allowed or allowed that caused the stock market to go up. Uh, the bond yields to come down slightly from their highs because it, it created a dovish spin on uh, on where the Fed is going to go and how far it's going to go, um, and the tips break evens actually widen. So, so it's I think that that's kind of the way to think about it. That the further the Fed pushes in one direction, the further towards the long-term average the tips market goes in the other direction. But if that were to change, then the other side would change correspondingly. You know. I, I hope that all makes sense, but yeah, no, that's, no, how that's
1: I think. really I mean it, it goes down to which you you know answer that way is, is whether to sort of believe the signal in the tips market, which is yeah. which is what you're asking. a couple of questions I think we can get a couple of these in so um on earnings, a lot of the gains in earnings uh, says this investor are from oil and energy, uh, others falling. you mentioned that overall we are seeing growth flowing. Uh, but what do you think of this? the fact of which areas of the market in terms of earnings? we're seeing some
2: of the gains. Yes, no, absolutely. So clearly, uh, as I showed earlier, 71% of stocks in the S&P or industry groups in the S&P are in negative revision mode. So clearly earnings growth is coming down, expectations are coming down, uh, earnings growth is slowing, but a slowdown is not the same as a contraction, right? A contraction is when you're in the recession
0: Finally, here we have peaks in EPS growth tweeted on October 25th. And so this this
2: chart measures the peak in the earnings growth cycle, which is the the gray bars was the peak in the cycle, which happened late last year. Uh, And I overlay all of the other cycles, um, including recessions and soft landings, but all other peaks in the earnings growth rate historically. And about half of them end up in in a contraction, uh, which typically happens during a recession and a, and a more significant bear market. And other times, you know, the earnings growth rate slows down, but it stays positive. And so right now, through the end of this year, earnings growth is expected to go pretty much to to zero. And then the market, you know, the the estimate, the consensus estimates expect them to go back up. And I don't think anyone really knows what earnings growth is going to be in 2023. But you know, to the viewers' uh, point, when you dissect the earnings growth uh, revisions, um, the, the estimate revisions by sector, basically, energy is the one of the few energy utilities, consumer staples, and, and maybe one or two others are the ones seeing positive growth, and everything else uh, is seeing negative growth, including consumer discretionary, materials, uh, etc. So it's 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 certainly. The breadth of earnings revisions is is very weak, um, <clears throat> but it has been weak in the past and it doesn't hasn't always led to um, to a recession. So the jury is out whether this will be a soft or a hard land.
1: I wonder if we can just have a couple of comments only sort of a minute to go, but just on international markets, specifically this investor saying Asia. EM, um we're going to be speaking about chinese markets going forward but certainly your thoughts from this weekend if, if you can squeeze them in yeah
2: i mean the, the news out of china obviously is 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 a little bit disturbing to see that uh that that view in in the chamber and and the former you know uh, prime minister or president uh getting basically taken out of the room i mean it sends, you know, like those things don't happen by by accident. Right. So uh, I, I, I would view that as China sending a, a pretty, you know, stark message to the rest of the world, including the U.S., that they are not not to be messed with. Um, and, you know, what does that do for geopolitical tensions? You know, we have the thing with semiconductors and Taiwan already happening. Um, what does that do for investors? Like, you know, does that make China uninvestable? You know, I, that, that's maybe a, a little bit too much of an extreme, but it it, it raises a lot of questions about um, about you know even China maybe exporting deflation to the rest of the world. If that right. means that capitalism is not is not going to function the way it did in the past, so it could actually be you know a good thing for the inflation story because it, we may actually be importing Chinese deflation like we used to, you know, 10, 20 years ago, whenever the Chinese economy would slow, it would be very deflationary. So, uh, but it, you know, this is just happening and it's, it's a pretty stark message to be getting. And so it's, it's, you know, you get the ice cold feeling from what, what we've been seeing the last few days.
1: Yeah, it's quite a visual representation there. You're in Timmer. Thank you very much for taking us through, uh, your incredible takes on different stories within the market themes. Uh, we're very. Happy
2: to have you here we'll see you next week thank you you too
0: thank you for listening to the fidelity connects podcast if you haven't done so already please subscribe to fidelity connects on your podcast platform of choice and if you like what you're hearing leave a review or a five-star rating fidelity mutual funds and etfs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account visit fidelity.ca how to buy for more information While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. We hope you join us tomorrow.